Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of True to the Cougs, brought to you by Believe Network. My name is Jamie Vinnick of CougsFan.com, and with me, as always, is my partner, Marcus Trufant, Seattle Seahawk, and Washington State legend. Marcus, how's it going? I'm doing well, my man, doing well. How about yourself, bro? I'm doing well. Home with the fam for, uh, for Thanksgiving, and then back to Pullman Friday, because it is Apple Cup week, and we'll get to that in a minute, but... The week that every Coug fan circles on their calendar on January 1st. And, you know, there's been a whole lot of trying to get it back to Pullman, and now it's trying to keep it in Pullman after last year. But, you know, Marcus, there's so many rivalry games this weekend. Um, any bets you're laying down? Uh, yeah, man. Um, no bets. I'm going uh, to keep it in the family, man, and keep the betting with the Apple Cup, man. I got a little thing going on with baby bro but if you haven't got your bets in yet man um basketball is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season you'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online and as your continued source for all sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests and giveaways all season long always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo, promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. You heard the man. And let's, before we get into any more Apple Cup stuff, we'll move to segment two. Arizona. Cougs knocked them out of bowl contention. They uh, they quiet Jaden Delora. They get a 31-20 win for their third straight win. Just another dominating defensive performance, Marcus. Four interceptions. Yeah, I know you've got to love that. I know you have to love that, especially with a house call in there, too. Yeah, man. Uh, four interceptions is hard to win a game, of course, with that many turnovers. Arizona, they, they – um, Outside of the turnovers and stuff, they didn't play bad, right? They played them pretty well in the first quarter. In the second quarter, it was still kind of back and forth a little bit. You thought that this could be a close game, but turnovers um, and um, Jaden Delore kind of going through his up and down and his um, kind of going back and forth with his teammates and stuff like that, the energy for the long haul to be able to overcome his own emotions it wasn't there. And like you said, man, the Cougs played well, man. They came in and did what they needed to do. The offense played well. They ran the ball well. The defense came over, got turnovers, put pressure all over Jaden. And uh, it was a good day for the Cougs. Good day for the Cougs. You know, you, you mentioned that, you know, Arizona did do some things well and probably played better than the score entailed. But, you know, I mean, Delora threw for over 350 yards. They outgained Washington State. Uh, Pretty, I uh, think, pretty over like a hundred yards. Um, they had more yards than than the Cougars, but the four picks. I mean, you, that first one to Sam Lockett with a good run back, then the pick six to Langford, the great diving pick from Lockett with Arizona on Wazoo's side of the field, and then Armani Marshes to seal it. Uh, you, you can't win with four turnovers, and there were a lot of comparisons. Oh, well, Dolores still outplayed Ward, and, and what I would say to that is, 
Statistically, if you look at his yards, yeah, maybe. Maybe the completions are better, whatever. One quarterback threw four picks, the other didn't. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. If you throw four picks, you did not have a good day as a quarterback. I don't care how many touchdowns you threw. Four <laughs> picks is not a good day. Um, and I think for the defensive players, and as we expected, there was no talk after the game from, from the players or the coaches. They didn't, you know, respond and say, oh, you know, we we showed him or he made it personal. No, they they did their normal thing. And, again, that's what we've come to expect from Jake Dickert's program. Right. But I can imagine in the group chats and the behind the scenes type stuff with the players, man, there has to be a little bit of talk there. Uh, Jaden uh, talked a little bit too much. He uh, said it was personal and he kind of put himself under the fire, right? By just coming out and being too emotional in the media and saying stuff that he did not need to say. But just like you said, Jamie, you can't win a game throwing four interceptions. I don't care how many yards you put up. That's not a good day for a quarterback. Cam came in, did his thing, cool, calm, and collective as usual. They gave us some highlights there, scrambled around doing some things. So um, I'm going to ride with my quarterback that's keeping it calm I and mean, then being a uh, team player I mean, and then keeping everybody together. Yeah. That's I mean, my team. You know, the four interceptions aside, I mean, you see Delora throwing, I don't know, what I want to call it a punch, but a, a shot to Dorian Singer. They get into a pushing and shoving match after a, after an incompletion, you just you wouldn't see Cam Ward do that. That's just not who he is. And you know, as talented as Jaden is and as fiery as he is, you know, that that works to his favor sometimes. But then you see when things don't go his way, then it becomes a bit of a disaster. He throws the interceptions, he makes mistakes. And, and I think that you saw, I think we talked about you are either going to get the absolute best version of Jaden Delora on Saturday, the 500 yards, five touchdowns, or you were going to get the worst. And, and they got the worst, and I think a big reason of that was the Washington State defense. He made his own mistakes, but the Cougars forced him into mistakes. Yeah, man. The, the Cougs, um, of course, they did a good job scouting. Uh, the guy used to be on the team, but they brought a lot of pressure from the edges to keep him uh, to keep him contained. You know, Delore is a heck of an athlete, so for him to be scrambling around and running around crazy, that would be – pretty stressful to the defense. So I know they brought um, they brought the air rushers upfield. They even brought some guys from the secondary and stuff just to keep him uh, to keep him contained and to keep him thinking on his feet. And a lot of the interceptions came from that, from the pressure and just feeling rushed and um, trying to get the ball out. So Cougs, they keep doing it, man. Yeah. I think, you know, just a lot of the disguised blitzes, a lot of disguised coverage. I mean, if you look at the the one to Langford, that was a miscommunication. Jacob Cowing ran a slant. I think it was supposed to be a curl. Ball goes right to Langford. But you look at Lockett's first pick. It's a, you know, a post over the middle. He collapses and he gets the interception. He makes the diving play um, on his second one. And then the Marsh one, you know, Dolores flushed out of the pocket. He kind of just has to throw on the run to flex off the running back's hands and right into Armani Marsh's hands, but uh, or right into his waiting arms. But you yeah. saw what happens when you bring pressure. And they're going to need to do that a lot again this week. And we'll get to that in a second. But you know, I just think it's – I'm, I'm always in the belief that if you, after the game, you want to run your mouth, you want to yap, go ahead. But I think if you're going to talk before the game and then you're going to go throw four interceptions, that doesn't look so good. You know, he he I, he talked the talk and he he made all of his macho comments on last Saturday – or uh, two Saturdays ago after the UCLA game and then the Wazoo defense, as it's done to a lot of teams this year, shut him up. And he wasn't saying anything. He didn't do media after the game. I wouldn't expect him to, but – I think that the Cougars 
And I'm sure, for as you said, behind the scenes, I'm sure there was chatter. They're all still friends with him. There was a lot of uh, after the game. He's he's high fiving the guys. He's giving guys hugs. So I think there's still a lot of closeness between him and his teammates. But I'm sure there were some guys who took enjoyment out of uh, out of that game and out of sealing Arizona's fate because they're not going to a bowl now. They beat Wazoo. They beat ASU. They had turned it around to get to a bowl after winning one game a year ago. They're not going bowling. They're on the couch in in in, uh, in December. There was a lot of tweets of. You know, Jaden Delora said to just watch. Well, he could just watch the Cougs play, uh, playing the bowl game from their couch, from his couch. <laughs> All right. Yeah, man. So this could have been, it could have been one of those things like a feel good story. They beat the Cougs, they beat Arizona State, like you said, and they're going into their bowl game. And it just like you said, they only won one game last year. So to come back this year, of course, it's a good look for them. Um, just as far as what they're doing now, but you talk about the program and maybe the recruits of what it could have been, right? And this is how you finish your season. You got trash talk. You come in, you throw all these interceptions, and you do these things. So it um, could have been a lot better, even though they still probably could have lost this game. But to lose it in a different fashion or to lose it and not have all the chatter back and forth, it would have just felt a little bit better. And we're making this about AZ. I think we should be celebrating the Cougs, right? The, the, right. I mean, the, go ahead. Right. I was just going to say the cool defense, they forced the issue. It's not like Jaden Delore was throwing the ball to him on purpose. They came out and did what they needed to do, and they made him uncomfortable. And I think that's what it came down to. Absolutely. I mean, I think that the game plan, you know, you get, yeah, to give Brian Ward a lot of credit. And, you know, you, you think even back to when Jake Dicker took over, I mean, you think to that 2019 team, the 2019 Cougar team that won, went six and seven. I mean, they, they set records offensively. But that defense was so, so bad. Like it, You can't exaggerate how bad that defense was. I mean, they gave up over 30 points a game. And the only reason it was that low is they had a couple decent non-conference games. But this was a team that gave up 67 to UCLA. They gave up uh, 53 to Oregon State, 37 to Oregon, 38 to Utah, 38 to ASU. They could not get stops. Right. Uh, now you look at a defense that it, it, you saw the signs in that shortened 2020 season. You saw more signs last year with Dickert, and then this year, I think Brian Ward coming in has really put the finishing touches on it. And you look at the guys he brought in, you look at the impact Dayon Henley has had, you look at how good Jaden Hicks has been already, Shaw Smith-Wade becoming one of the best corners in the conference. I think that that defense has become such an identity, and it's uncommon that, that you say that about Washington State. I mean, we really have to go back to your era to when the Cougars had – a really good defense, not a decent defense, because there were some decent defenses in the Leech years, but a truly elite defense that could win them games. Because right now, the Cougars, the offense is doing enough, but the defense is the one that is shutting teams down. Under 20 points per game they're allowing right now. And if you look at the last three games, 14 to Stanford, 18 and 20 to uh, ASU and Arizona, but so much of that comes fourth quarter, garbage time, game's over. They're not giving up points really in the first half at all. Right. I think you hit the nail on the head, Jamie, man. It's all about defense, um, at least for the Cougars, right? Because historically, um, in the last couple of years, it's been all about the offense and the cool grade and putting up all these big numbers. These quarterbacks are going crazy, right? But just like you said, man, 30, 40 points a game and, I mean, and winning games, um, both scores in the 50s and doing all that kind of stuff, that's bad football, man. So now the Cougars have got it together, man. So it's much more fun to watch and it's much uh, a much more a complete team the next step i think is just you, you've got to get the offense going in the second half 
Last three games, Wazoo has scored 91 first-half points, just 20 in the second half. And six of those were from a Derek Langford pick six, and six of those were from John Mateer in the second unit against Stanford. So the first-string offense hasn't scored a touchdown in three weeks in the second half. Now, a lot of that's going conservative. If you look at the halftime leads in the last couple games, uh, 42-7, 28-0, But I think Cam even said he doesn't want to go conservative, and he hasn't been happy that they've been going conservative. And, and Dickert said Saturday that he takes responsibility for the fact that they've been going conservative, that that's on him, that you know he's probably handcuffing Eric Morris too much with what he wants to do. But I, we've seen that the offense can be really effective. We see that in the first halves when they are putting up a ton of points and when you see the misdirection and, you know, kind of the, the creative play calling, and then it kind of goes to screen games and run in the run game in the second half. So I'm hoping, and I don't think this will be a blowout at halftime um, this next game, but I'm hoping we start to see a little more consistency from the offense. Cause you see what they can do, have that be for 60 minutes and not just for four or five drives in the first half. I would agree, man. I would agree. I was watching this game, and I was getting a little nervous in the second half. They start running those screens and doing some different stuff there. And some of those plays are, like, really close, right? You get uh, – um, some of those plays are really close. If it's like if the ball is throwing a couple yards more upfield or, like, a second late, those could be interceptions. Those could be big hits. Those could be fumbles. So – I understand what you're talking about on the conservatives, uh, the conservative side, and I get what you're trying to do, burn clock and all that kind of stuff. But I continue to say that I want to see a game where the Cougs really finish and they put their foot on somebody's neck, man, and they get it done. Right, and I think that there's a time to go conservative. You're up 30 in the fourth quarter. You don't need to be putting up points. I don't think the third quarter is the time. To be, if I said third quarter, 30 points in the fourth quarter then you can be conservative. I don't right. think there's a point in the third quarter to be conservative unless you're up by 50 or 60. I right. think or maybe there's two minutes left, but you know, I'd love to see them come out of halftime and get two touchdowns. Because I think in a perfect world, you can pull Cam and you can pull the starters and you can let these guys get reps like they did against Stanford where they can rest in the fourth quarter and you don't have to risk an injury instead of, yeah, we're up decently, but you know, there's still, it's still a, two, three score game in the fourth quarter that we still have to put away. You have faith in your defense. They're not going to score more. But I, I think there's been three games this year, Colorado State, ASU, and Arizona, where there was an opportunity based off how the game was trending to get your backups in and to rest your guys and to let some of these young guys get reps. And that didn't happen because of the way the game trended and they couldn't really put the foot on the neck and couldn't go up by six, seven scores. So I don't anticipate that happens this week, but – I do wonder if that's something when you look back as a coaching staff, say, yeah, we probably should have, you know, played a little more aggressive in that third quarter against Colorado State because then we can give, you know, three drives to John Mateer or three drives to to the second unit. But speaking of – go ahead. Nah, I was just going to say, do you think it's a nice guy thing? Do you think it's a respect thing? It's kind of a handshake thing amongst coaches? Because the Cougs have been up by, like, you know – a three, four touchdown that half, and they really just don't go all the way. There's nothing wrong with scoring 60 points, right? I know Cougs, it's, Cougs of the past maybe have been um, kind of looked at as like the nice guy group, but I don't think that's the case. I'm not even going to put that energy out there. The Cougs need to put their foot on these teams next. Let's blow people out and let's get the second unit in. And then that, um, 
it give the young guys some experience. So I feel what you're saying, Jamie. I'm right there with you, bro. I think as Dickert was saying, he says it's maybe just the defensive guy in him that, you know, the conservative kind of grind the game out and the high flying. And, and, and he said, you know, that's on me and I have to look in the mirror. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's easy to forget because of the kind of the, the demeanor he has and how mature he is that this is Jake Dickert's first head coaching gig and that mm-hmm. he's still learning on the fly. And I think it's pretty impressive. We're talking about a guy learning on the fly and he's got a team seven and four as a chance for eight or nine wins. Um, I think that's it's a lot better than, yeah, this coach is learning on the fly as his team is three and eight and, you know, entering their last game. So if learning on the fly means going seven and four, I mean, what's going to happen when he's done learning on the fly and kind of has a good feel? But I think that's one of those things that will come with time. I think next year we'll probably see a little more aggressiveness early and then start to get some of the, the backups in. But let's talk the next game. We'll move into segment three. Here we go. The Apple Cup. The 74 Washington State Cougars, the 92 Washington Huskies. Um, an absolute turnaround for Washington. They were dreadful last year under Jimmy Lake. Uh, four and eight, of course, the Cougars ran them off their own field in the Apple Cup. Um, but that has not been the case this year. Huskies started four and two. They had lost to Arizona State. Maybe the feeling was, all right, they can get the seven wins. But they've rattled off five in a row. They beat Oregon State at home. They beat Oregon on the road. Um, this is a really good Washington team, uh, 13th in the college football playoff rankings. That just came out, uh, and it's not the Washington team of past. They aren't a great defensive team, but what they do have is one of the most high-powered offenses in the country and the best passing offense in the country with Michael Penix Jr. Right. I think, um, to be honest, I think the Arizona game was a, a good test because, to be honest, Arizona got a uh, they got a damn good offense, right? And they got mm-hmm. some really good receivers, and their quarterback, um, if hot, it, it can throw the ball around a ton. So I think this was a good test for this Cougar defense. And they got to bring that same type of energy, man. They they have to put pressure on the Husky quarterback, man. He can't just sit back there and take his time man, and dissect the defense. It's going to be a long day if that's, the, uh, if that's the case. And I know that the, the Cougar um, – that the defense and the scouts and everybody's going to be on their game. So I expect to see a lot of pressure. I expect to see a lot of pressure in this Apple Cup. And, um, yeah, man, I think that's what it comes down to as far as stalling out that um, stalling out that Husky offense that's rolling right now. I think the big difference when you look at the two teams is Arizona's offensive line, not great. Not awful, but not great. You look at the number of sacks they've given up, um, Arizona this year, has yielded, uh, I believe it was, yeah, so uh, 22 sacks. That's 59th in the country. So not terrible. I think it's also fair to say a lot of those have been Jaden Delora dancing out. Washington has given up seven. That is second in the country. Mm-hmm. Only one team has given up less. Uh, that's Oregon, who's given up only three. Washington, Ohio State, Georgia Southern, and Georgia have all given up just seven. So, and that's, and part of that is UW gets the ball out quick. Penick, snap, throw, snap, throw. He is mobile. He can move if necessary, but that is a really good offensive line, and it's going to be a much bigger challenge, I think, to get pressure on that offensive line than it was against Arizona. Okay, okay. I'll have to double down, Jamie. You made it clear they don't get sacked very often. So to bring pressure and to cover on the back end, just like they did on the uh, in this Arizona game, get interceptions and stuff like that if you can, but it's going to be that dance between the pressure – and then the coverage on the back end. So it's going to be a good game, man. Um, I know that 
that I'm supposed to sit up here and bash the Huskies and all that kind of stuff. But it's going to be a damn good game, man. I'm excited. It will be. I, and I think that, you know, you can't overlook what they've done. I mean, again, this was a train wreck last year, a team that lost to Montana. They came in with all these expectations. Our our Coug friend Ryan Leaf picked and go 12-0, and 0, and they ended up being a mess. Um, right. And then I think you look at this year that, I think, yeah, again, most people had them six and six, seven and five, and they have certainly exceeded expectations. Um, so, no, I, I think it'll be a good test, and I think it's it's going to be the best offense the the Cougs have seen this year. I mean, Arizona was close. This is just a different a different level. I mean, they've got the receivers in Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan. I think it's fair to say Penix is better than Delora. Um, I guess, as I'm saying this, USC's offense was probably close. Um, but I think the Huskies offensive line is so much better than USC's um, that it, it kind of makes you think that maybe that is a better offense. I don't know. They're close. They're very, they're very close in terms of offensive production. Oregon's is up there as well. Um, there, there are a lot of good offenses in the Pac-12. I just think that what Washington's been able to do, you know, with their offensive line, I think is a big reason and that they, they have so much strength in the passing game. Now here is the one little tidbit is that as the Huskies have been awesome, Awesome at home, seven and zero, absolutely dominating everybody. They have not had the same success on the road. So if you look at the numbers, actually, uh, Washington is just two and two on the road and giving up thirty almost thirty seven points per game, being outscored one hundred and forty seven to one thirty five at home. They're seven and zero, outscoring teams three hundred three to one forty three. So they've actually given up more points in four games on the road than they have in seven games at home. Those four road games being Oregon. Arizona State, UCLA, and Cal. So it does seem like there's a little bit of home cooking for the Huskies, and maybe that's where the Cougs can take advantage. Yeah, man. You come out the chilly pool, man, it's a different story, man. It's a different ball game out there. It's, so, yeah, man, um, it's really going to come down to the defense. I talked about the defense, but I want to touch on the offense, man. The, the offense has to be – in rhythm, man. They they got to convert those third downs. They got to give the defense a break because the defense has got a tall order. But the offense can be that saving grace. And I think it's going to come down to the run game, man. I know our pass game is always on point. And we're going to put those numbers up. But the run game is really going to have to show up. Agreed. And I think if you look at what worked against them last year, it was that run game. Now, again, much different defense, much different coordinator, coaches, et cetera. But Washington State's got to be able to run the ball. And, and I think that, you know, the, the game I look at is the 2018 Apple Cup. We had that Husky team with Miles Gaskin, Jake Browning there last year, and another great defense. That was Gardner Minshew's year. It starts to snow. That favors the downhill running style of the Huskies. It doesn't favor the Cougs passing attack. And we're not going to get into the, oh, what if it doesn't snow? I think there was enough evidence to suggest that Mike Leach wasn't beating Chris Peterson. Um, but I think a similar situation could happen if it snows. Can UW run their high-powered passing attack in the snow? Now, they are capable of running the ball. It's not like what it was under Leach where Wazoo wasn't going to run the ball. They were going to pass through it. UW will hand off to Wayne Taulapapa and Cam Davis, but I think that favors more of what the Cougs want to do with Nakia Watson. You get him downhill. He starts running over, guys. I think the idea is that if it snows, it might indeed favor the Cougars. We'll have to see, but I think that is that could be a factor in this game. Um, in terms of what Washington State can do in, in bad weather versus what UW can do in bad weather. Granted, Michael Penix, a few years in the Big Ten, you get some you get some bad weather in Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, so on, albeit he was actually hurt uh, through a lot of the, the end of the season. But 
Um, you know, I think it's one of those games that's really hard to predict. I think it's going to be a close game. I agree, man. I agree. I'm going to be at the edge of my seat, man. That's going to be good. And, um, yeah, man, just like you said, if that cool offense can really stay on time, I'm not so much worried about the defense for some reason. I think the defense is going to step up to the challenge, but the offense, they got to be on time, man. It can't be uh, – uh, the time of possession is way on the Husky side and all that kind of stuff. It has to be a balanced game. It has to be close. And the last person with the ball may win the game. I think it's going to be one of those type of games. It could be. And maybe it's one of the situations that we saw for years where the high powered offense meets the high or the, you know, the, the stalwart defense and the defense wins. I mean, that's what happened all those years with Peterson and Leach is the Cougs would bring in 40 points a game and the best passing offense against this just absolutely unit of defensive backs and and a great pass rush. They do the rush three drop eight, and it would work. Now maybe it's a, it's kind of the reverse of, you know, Washington wants to throw the ball around the yard, and maybe the Cougs, I mean, Jake Dickard said, they're going to have to get home with four because they're going to need, you know, seven guys back covering Odunze, covering McMillan, covering Jalen Polk, covering Devin Culp. So if Wazoo can get – I think that's probably the key. If Wazoo can get home with four – they have a really good chance to win the game. If they can't, that's where you might need to look to the offense and say, hey, we need you to have one of those games where you can score 35 or 40 points because if Washington gets rolling and there's no pressure on Penix, they're tough to stop. Right. I think we got to bring in all the stops, man. The, the snow, the pressure, the crowd, everybody, man, and see what we come up with. So, hey. Yeah, let's hope. I think it's sold out, but let's hope people actually stay past halftime. That has been a, a major issue this season is – Halftime uh, goes and everyone goes back to the beer garden, the frats, et cetera. So hopefully we get people to stay in the seats. It's disappointing, I know. Even off the cougar water, people ain't going to leave the cold like that. Man, it's the apple cup. It should be different, right? I'm hoping it will be. I'm hoping it will be. Um, We'll kind of partially segment into segment four here. But Marcus, favorite apple cup moment. I know that didn't maybe have one as a player, but uh, maybe a uh, post-playing apple cup uh, of favorite moments. To be honest, man, I I really enjoyed last year's game, right? Just for the simple fact that it had been, um, I believe, seven years mm-hmm. since Cougs had won an Apple Cup. So, so to be able to um, go to one of the local bars, man, and watch the game and be there with all the Huskies and all their purple and gold and me and my Cougar attire and to be able to stand up, man, and cheer and take a shot and have a brew man in front of everybody it was a good feeling man and um that's how it should be man and, and to go seven years it was time and was primed and ready so i'll take that game any day man and i know that there's all types of games um and you go back to the brink era of all these huge passing yards and these last minute um the things that went on in the game but for me to be able to come back last year after Losing for so many years in a row, man, it really uh, it just sits with me. Seven straight games. It was actually eight years because they didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. Uh, didn't go to the game last year? Did I go? Yeah, you did not? You said you were at a bar? Oh, man, it's hard for me to get to the game because I'm working Seahawks games on Sundays, so like to be over there on Saturday. But I definitely tuned in and watched it at one of the local bars, Sam's, right around the corner, man. So oh, I know Sam's, absolutely. Um what do you remember about playing in those games? Kind of into segment four now. I mean, just, uh, again, I know maybe not great memories from them, but what do you remember about the intensity and the energy from them? 
the intensity was crazy. The energy was crazy. The um, after practice throughout that whole week, uh, there would be like Cougar greats that would send letters back and Coach Price would read them to everybody. Everybody would go crazy and kind of lose their mind, right? And they're pretty much be ready to kill somebody, right? But to be honest, I think that type of energy worked against us. Most of the times, maybe three out of my four years, um, sophomore year to my senior uh, year, I felt like we were always the better team, right? And I know it's a rival game and anything can happen, but we just never really played to our potential. Um, I don't know if we played down, if we got too excited, if we got too hyped up, if we were too angry. I think that it played a factor. So this year's cool. Y'all don't know if I see that, man. I don't know if I see that. There's a bunch um, of new guys. There's uh, transfers. So to have that, I know they want to win because it's a rival game, but I don't know if they have that history there that could potentially be a bad thing or could hold them back, man. So I don't think that's going to be an issue for this year's uh, a Cougar squad. Fair enough. Have to ask, do you and Isaiah have a bet on the game? Or excuse me, Desmond, not Isaiah. Desmond, do you and Desmond have a bet on the game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, but it would be something simple like swap jerseys or do something like that, or you got to wear this crimson hat and do something like that. Dez is um, new money right now in the NFL, so I can't compete with the new money, baby. I'm not betting big like that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, not this time, at least. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we'll move into segment five now, uh, talk about the Pac-12 a little bit. You know, a lot of storylines, though. The college football playoff rankings just come out. Nine and two US, or LSU is above 10 and one USC. Now, that is a big factor because one of Ohio State and Michigan is going to lose this week. There's no other way around it. They play each other. One is going to lose. So the opportunity is going to be there for someone to jump. But two loss LSU right now is in pole position to if one of the teams does drop out of the top four, which – that's another debate, which we'll get to in a second. But LSU with two losses is put above USC with one loss. Is that correct? Um, I guess I don't know what to say because it seems like every year throughout history, um, I guess I don't care how far you go back, there's always some type of discrepancy, right? Um, I don't even know. I guess what the algorithm is, and you might know, Jamie, because you're a numbers guy, but I don't know exactly how it works and how they pick the strength to schedule, all these different things. But clearly, um, you got SC, man, that's sitting there undefeated, man. And you, you, it's pretty much a head scratcher. I don't even know what to say, bro. I mean, LSU, the two losses, now one's the Tennessee, but that was by 27. The other's the Florida State. Florida State's right. Yeah. I mean, and Florida State's not a bad team. And I think that's probably I mean they're 16th in the in the college football playoff rankings. The knock against USC is that they didn't play Oregon this year. They didn't have to play Washington. So their one real big win was Utah. They had a really soft non-conference schedule. I think it was like Rice, uh Southeastern Louisiana. I mean, it was it was a bunch of nobodies. And I think that's hurting them right now. You know, and the fact of the matter is the SEC bias. They beat Fresno State. That's right. The SEC bias is always going to be there. But LSU did beat Alabama. And the other thing about LSU is, you know, they, uh, they're they going to have to beat Georgia. If LSU loses to Georgia, they're out of the playoffs. So they've got A&M this weekend. That shouldn't be a problem. But they have Georgia for the SEC title game. 
I think Georgia's in no matter what. Unless they choke this weekend against, I'm assuming, Georgia Tech. I think even a one-loss Georgia team gets in. Yeah, Georgia plays Georgia Tech. That won't be an issue. Georgia loses to LSU. Then I think LSU has that case. But there's also the fact of Michigan or Ohio State is going to have one loss to each other. Is that enough to keep them above teams? So I think it's very interesting how these next few weeks will play out. I think Georgia's locked in, and I like TCU's chances purely because they play Iowa State and then someone in the Big 12 title game that they're going to be a lot better than. So it's a very wild few weeks, and that's only on the national stage. The Pac-12 is still up for grabs. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so you talked about SC, and then you got Oregon, even though they got beat up by Washington, man. Um, it still is up for grabs, and anything could happen. That's the thing about the Pac, man. Um, teams – kind of take turns, I guess, taking weeks off, right? So um, it really comes down to who is going to go out there and make it happen, especially when it comes down to the end of the season, man. If you got to seal the deal and you got to put yourself in a position to where you don't need other teams to do this and do that, you want to try to control your own destiny. Right, and I think for USC, they're in. So they are in the Pac-12 title game no matter what, but not sure yet who they'll play. If Oregon wins, it's them. If Oregon loses, then everything becomes a mess because there's tiebreakers and not everyone played each other. You know, you look at Utah and UW, they didn't play each other. UW didn't play USC. That factors in the tiebreaker. I think for UW to get in, they have to beat the Cougs, obviously. OSU has to beat Oregon. And then Cal has to beat UCLA. Or or Utah has to beat Colorado. It's a completely wild scenario. Cal's not beating UCLA, so I don't think they're really a factor. Um, but I think, again, if Oregon wins, or if Oregon loses, then Utah has to win. And UCLA, it, it, it is wild. The simplest one is Oregon wins, USC wins. That's the Pac-12 title game. I kind of think that's going to happen. Oregon State is a unit at home. I mean, they've lost just once in the last couple of years, and it was by three to USC. But it's not really a road game for the Ducks. I think they'll eventually – I think they'll prevail there. And you'll have Oregon-USC, which in my opinion, that's the two best teams in the Pac-12. Let them fight it out. Um, if USC wins, they're probably going to the national or to the playoff by that point. If Oregon wins, they're probably going to the Rose Bowl or they're going to the Rose Bowl. And then USC will get a New Year's Six game. So there's so much still to figure out. And, you know, for the Cougs, kind of just hoping you can get to an eighth win in the regular season and get to the Vegas Bowl. There you go, man. Yeah, because that was one hell of a story problem, man. I was never that good at math, but all these either. things, man, it makes it tough. So. Yeah, man, I'm just pulling for the Cougars. Let's get the Apple Cup, man, and let's just do that first, and let's take one step at a time and make it work. All right, all right. And we'll, uh, we'll just wrap it up here, talk at the last segment. Just a quick update on the Wazoo basketball teams. Uh, the men's basketball team bounced back. They needed a win over Eastern Washington. They got it yesterday, right. won by 26 behind 24 points. Eight threes from Jade Mullins from Snoqualmie. Uh, Muhammad Gay had a solid game as well. And the Wazoo women, they lost to BYU last Friday because BYU shot like 65%, came back. They beat Troy yesterday by 15 um, to win the, the North Shore Showcase. I don't really understood how understand how that worked. I don't know how you win a tournament by going one and one, but the Cougs will take it. They got a, a little trophy and everything. Uh, 22 points, 16 rebounds for Bella America Tete in that game to lead it. And yeah, Hoops is, is fully underway. Uh, Wazoo Volleyball's playing UCLA right now. We're recording here on a Tuesday night, tied at one set up piece. But thank you, everyone, for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant, brought to you by the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. 
Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on social media and check my workout at cougfan.com. As per usual, that is a shameless plug. And as per usual, we will close it off with a Go Cougs. Go Cougs, baby. Let's win the Apple Cup. Let's do it. Go Cougs. Let's win the Apple Cup. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.